That was fantastic worship. And in case you didn't know, we we do have a prayer time before church. You're welcome to come. Even if you come in late, just come on in. And, you know, we, uh, we, uh, we won't card you at the door. We'll just kind of say, hey, come on in. So God's good. Amen. Welcome to Resurrection Church. Hello, everyone watching online, and hello, everyone here. Good to see everyone. Um, I have a new friend. This plant. This fake plant. I thought I'd decorate it a little bit. We'll see if he survives. But um, yeah, so so we've been we've been technically going through the Book of Hebrews, and we've taken a little pause for a few weeks. To talk about principles of ministry, we'll come back to Hebrews. We're in chapter 11 of Hebrews, so we'll finish up in a few weeks. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles in the very back. If anyone wants to, or Daniel has Bibles, he can pass out. Uh, we do like to dig in uh, and study and uh, as much as possible. And uh, so we've been talking about principles of ministry and sort of like guidelines, things that I see in the Scripture teaching about life and ministry, basically. The first one we had was... Uh, Servant leadership, you know, if you want to become great in God's kingdom, become a servant. Jesus said, the greatest among you will be your servant, you know. The way up in the kingdom of God is down, right? Secondly is emphasis on grace, okay? That's just not just grace that God has given to us through Christ. It's grace that we give one another because we've received the grace of God. If you want to default on either being legalistic or gracious, always lean on graciousness, because God is more, God will use that more effectively. The third one we did was uh, priority of the Word of God. We did four, uh, priority and the power of the Word of God two weeks in a row. And of course, we take God's Word seriously here. Um, and then last week we started sort of part one of empowered by the Spirit. Okay, does everyone have their Bibles? Or their favorite apps? Okay. All right, so I need to explain. So we started last week, we, looked, we started looking at being empowered by the Spirit. And of course, I can probably spend 13 weeks on just this topic alone. I'm not going to do that today, but I have to be very clear on what I'm going to say, okay, from the Scripture. First of all, let's go to a couple of verses of Scripture just to start us off. First of all, go to John 1, John 1. Gospel of John, because, well, you'll see. John 1. Verse 33. This is John the Baptist answering the question from the religious leaders, asking if he was the Messiah. And he told me he's not, he's not the Messiah. He's, he's, not, he's the one who's been sent to prepare for the Messiah. John one thirty three says, And I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, The one upon whom you see the Spirit descending and abiding on him, this is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. John says, I baptize you with water. Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And I'll explain what that means in a second, okay? At the end of, at the end of John, go to the, or actually go to the end of Luke, Luke 24. 
This is just, again, I'm going to lay some, going to lay out some foundation stuff, but I'm going to, you'll see. I don't want to get ahead of myself here. Um, Luke, Luke 24. He says in verse 49, And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Chapter 1 of, of Acts, go to your right. Chapter 1 of Acts. Verse 8. Jesus tells his disciples, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the end of the earth. Now, a reminder from last week, this is actually the outline of, of the book of Acts. The rest of Acts is them doing this exact same going from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the outer ends of the earth. And each along the way, the Holy Spirit is given to Jew and then later to Gentile. We start off Acts 2 with the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem, and we end with Paul in Rome. And the book of Acts doesn't end. It's the, it's the beginning of the Acts of the church, right? Well, this is this is something that's that's uh, I was pointing out last week. Is that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for one primary reason, and that's for empowerment to be witnesses. Okay, keep that clear. Whatever your background is, whatever you experience, I'm going to give you scripture. And I'm a stickler for context. I'm trying as much as possible not to bring in other books into Acts. Okay. And as you read the book of Acts, you're going to see there's consistency with how the Holy Spirit's given and what happens. Whatever happens in churches nowadays, that all kinds of craziness, just keep that, get that out of your mind. Just kind of, just, let's stick with Scripture, okay? Okay, now, before we continue, I have to explain. Um, now, we know the Holy Spirit is given to, is given to us for a ver- variety of reasons. The Holy Spirit's God. The Holy Spirit makes us born again. He leads us to Christ. He gives us understanding of the Scriptures. There's a lot of works of the Holy Spirit, a lot of uh, ministries of the Holy Spirit. So we're not going to be exhaustive on the Holy Spirit today. That's, that would take us for, forever. So, but I'm looking at the question, how do we be empowered by the Spirit of God for ministry in life, okay? So, and this is something that... Um, so in seminary, I had, I had one professor who was well-known, well charismatic, Calvinistic professor who believed in gifts of the Spirit, and other ones who were cessationists who believed that there was no, no more miracles, this, that, and the other, right? So I've gotten exposed to all that, and I, I respect those men. I'm going to take the Bible very carefully and very slowly here. But as you read Scripture, especially the New Testament, let's say you read Scripture. By the way, um, okay, I'm going to hit myself here. There's two distinct workings of power by the Holy Spirit. One is what we call extraordinary Okay, um, and one is ordinary, or one is like a regular. There's a regular work of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and there's an extraordinary work of the Holy Spirit. Okay, those two distinctions, or you can call it the 
the direct work of the Holy Spirit, which is like the external, and the indirect. Okay? So what happens, though, is when people start talking about the Holy Spirit, they, they sort of go in two different camps, right? Well, I, I have the Holy Spirit in me, and that's all there is, right? Or the Holy Spirit's on me, and I'm doing all kinds of, all kinds of crazy stuff, right? I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you, like Scripture teaches that there's both. Now, keep this in mind, okay? If there's a regular, extraordinary, regular, over-regular, okay? <laughs> That's a word, okay? Just keep this in mind, okay? Um, a regular work of the, of the Spirit of God is where he gives you understanding of the Scripture. The Spirit of God gives you insight, right? He teaches, he, te- he gives you understanding of the Scripture through, maybe through the pastor or through commentary or just through your meditation on the Word of God. That's a regular work of the Spirit of God, and he does that with all of us. All right, we'll get into all that. Um, but the extraordinary stuff is sort of like the what we're talking about in the book of Acts. So far so good? Okay. The Spirit of God does both. Most of us, it's the regular work, the indirect work, the work that he just kind of working in and through you that you don't realize it's not a big show. That, that's how normal life is. But there are times when there's extraordinary empowerment or insight or, you know, that kind of thing. So if you keep that in mind, when we read, say, Acts or Ephesians or Galatians, well, sometimes there's, there's a blending of the two and there's confusion. I want to keep that clear, okay? So the two, there's extraordinary work, and that's what you see, the extraordinary power or work of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. He comes on people and things happen, right? When you read something like Ephesians... Well, he gives you the fruit of the Spirit. Well, that's a regular work that's indirect, that's internal, you know, but it's still, it's still the Spirit of God working. Okay? So I'm going to give you three categories of this power, okay? One is declarative. That's the first one. It's the power to declare Jesus as Lord, the power to declare the gospel, the power to be witnesses for Christ. That's the primarily, the primarily, the primary emphasis in the book of Acts. Jesus, John says, he will pour out his Holy Spirit on you and you will be my witnesses. You'll be my witnesses, basically. Wait here. In, in to be. Now, the, the disciples had knowledge of God. They were with Jesus for three years. I mean, they had the best seminary in the world, right? They saw miracles and amazing signs and wonders that we would dream of. And yet Jesus says, you need to wait until you're empowered. Why? Because I'm going to send you on a mission to spread the gospel to all parts of the world. You know, at that time, that you know, going to Rome is probably... And Paul wanted to go to Spain, but I don't think, we don't know if he made it that far. But in the known world, that was pretty far, okay? And the idea is the empowerment to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what happened when you read the book of Acts. That's the empowerment. So you have, first of all, the declarative power of God... And this is what happens. This is what John one thirty three is talking about. This is what Acts is talking about. This is what Jesus pouring out his spirit on all flesh. Now go to Acts chapter 2. Acts 2. And uh, Acts 2, of course, is Pentecost. And as I said last week, the reason why they waited in 
in Jerusalem was to wait till Pentecost because Pentecost was the day of gathering the harvest. And of course, on the day of Pentecost, there was a harvest of souls that came in. So there's significance on that day. But it says that uh, that's when the Holy Spirit comes upon him, uh, verse 3, that there's tongues of fire. Or, or let me go to verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together one place, and su- suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind and filled the house with the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them tongues like fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one. And all were filled with the, Spirit, the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. I was asking, what's the point of the tongues? We'll see in a few minutes, as we said last week, the whole point of that tongues was for the people from other countries and other parts of the, known, the, the world that were coming into Jerusalem for the, Pentecost, for, uh, for the feast, for Passover, and they probably stayed for Pentecost, uh, to hear the gospel, to hear the good news of God being proclaimed. All right? We said that last week, so some of this is, a, is, is, a, is review. Verse 5, no, there were... Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the, the multitude came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speaking in his own language. Let me ask you right now, which category is this? Is this regular, ordinary, or extraordinary? Okay, This is an extraordinary work of the Holy Spirit. How is it that we hear these men speak our language? We know these guys are hillbillies from Galilee. Right? And of course, uh, verse 7 says that, Behold, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each one of them speak our own language when we were, we were born? It goes to the whole list. Verse 11, We hear them in our own tongues speaking the mighty deeds of God. And I think including this is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the greatest work of God is the resurrection. So no doubt they're telling them about the resurrection of Jesus. They're extraordinarily empowered to speak in a way that they had no control. This is not, this is, this is Jesus doing this to them. Jesus pouring out his spirit and enabling them. They didn't go to school to learn all these languages. It was, how is this possible? Right? And the result, of course, was this was, uh, you know, they're speaking boldly. And that's what Jesus says, verse 8 of chapter 1, you will be my witnesses and you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So extraordinary power for this case, okay? Does God still enable people to speak with power? You better believe it. And most of the time, sometimes, okay, I'll be, I'll be honest, there are times I come up here and I've studied, I study a lot, I'm in the Word a lot. But sometimes I just, I'm like, Lord, I don't have anything. And it's not for lack of effort. I mean, I'm, I'm putting in the time. And there's times when God is giving me things as I'm speaking. He's giving me insights. He's giving me something like, where is this coming from? You guys don't see commotion on me. You don't see all kinds of, it's the Spirit of God doing it invisibly to my eyes. But I know, sometimes as I'm speaking, I know um, I'm not doing this. Like, I'm not in control of the situation here, and God's given me stuff, and okay, I'm going to go with it, but thank the Lord. But it was, there's a supernatural empowerment that, that the Lord does. Again, it doesn't get the attention, because we don't see, but He still does that extraordinary work. And there's times He'll do that with you as well. 
Again, if the goal of the, of the baptism is empowerment to speak, he will do that, and he still needs to do that, because even Jesus needed the Holy Spirit to come upon him. The Spirit of God is upon me, Luke chapter 4. He's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor and proclaim the captives free and everything else, right? Go, uh, you're still in Acts 2, right? Go to verse 14. Uh, of course, Peter stands up, <clears throat> verse 14, raises his voice and says, Men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give you to my words. These men aren't drunk as you suppose, for it's only the third hour of the day, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall be in when? The last days. That I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. When did the last days start? Time clock started right then, right at the resurrection, at the Pentecost. Pet- Pet- so this is the last days. The time clock started in Acts 2, or around that time. hasn't stopped. I'm still living in the last days. It's been 2,000 years of being in the last days. We're still in the last days. What does he say? He says, I will what? Pour out. Okay, the imagery here is and this is why this this is why I'm going to make a distinction in a second between well I'll, you'll see in a second there's a gushing forth from God of the Holy Spirit this isn't a regular work of the Holy Spirit this is an extra what's the categories what do we want to call it uh, regular extraordinary we'll call those this isn't a regular work of the Holy Spirit. this is extraordinary and if the time clock starts there. It's still going on. Now, I know some scholars will say, well, this acts as a transitionary period between Old and New Testament. But that's not biblical terminology. It's last days started then. Last days are still going on today. Mm-hmm. By the way, look at what he says. Uh, now, he does, he's quoting from Joel, and not everything that Joel s- says has happened yet. But he says, I will pour out my spirit on all, on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams and even on male slaves and female slaves and i will in those days i will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy and then he talks about wonders and the uh, things going on in the sky with blood and the sun and moon and everything else the, the idea is that, is that this is started and this is jesus pouring out his spirit on his people particular people to do a particular job of carrying his gospel and proclaiming the, God, the good news of Jesus Christ. That's still going on today. It's still needed today. It hasn't stopped. And we all need this power. We, and we all need, Lord, I need your Holy Spirit to empower me to be a witness to my friends and family, people in my community. This is something, though, here's what's interesting. This is something that Jesus does. Jesus will pour out his Spirit. He gets to decide when and where and how and if he pours out his spirit on you. This is not something that you do the chorus him. This is something that Jesus does. He will pour his, I will pour out my spirit on you. How do we know when the Holy Spirit has been poured out? Well, first of all, it's obvious work of God. Aren't these men Galileans? 
How is it? There's something that doesn't match where, how is it that they're doing this and they should not be able to, how is it that those people are able to be bold? And that's by the consistency in the book of Acts of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit is boldness and confidence to speak the word of God, whether it's Jew or Gentile, Samaritan, Roman, whatever, you know, Jew or Gentile. It's obvious that it's the work of God. Secondly, it is foreign to the person, right? How is it that these men, this, is not, this isn't match, it's, it's form, because it's the Lord doing a work. Now, doing a work in and through that person. Does that make sense? Got to just keep this, because we're only in one category. We've got a second category going in a second, okay? Or, so just, you're still following me? Okay. And what is the, the, what is the baptism for? Empowerment to be witnesses. This is the declarative power. Acts chapter 2, they were filled and declared the great works of God. Acts chapter 4, Peter declares Jesus boldly. Acts chapter 7, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, declares the gospel confidently and boldly, even to the time he's put to death. In Acts chapter 10, go to Acts chapter 10. This is again a reminder from last week. Acts chapter 10, in verse 45 while, G, while, while um, um, Peter is just sharing about Jesus. Think of, he's at Cornelius' house. Cornelius is a Roman you know, centurion. He fears God. And Peter's been brought to share the gospel to, to their household. And he's just sharing about Jesus. He's not dimming the lights. He's not playing the organ music. He's not coercing people to do stuff. He's just sharing, and not out of his control, the Holy Spirit's now brought down on them, okay? And what does it say in verse 45? They began, or verse uh, 45, the Holy Spirit's part, 46, uh, it says they were speaking in tongues and magnifying God. In the book of Acts, speaking in tongues equals declaring the mighty works of God from Acts 2. Again, this is a declarative power. They are declaring the mighty deeds of God and magnifying God, according to 1046. Same thing, look at Acts chapter 19. And this is, Acts chapter 19 is, is Paul going to Ephesus. This is years later, years after the resurrection, years after Pentecost. Paul gets to um, uh, chapter 19, yeah, Acts 19. And please tell me, raise your hand, if, if I go too fast, just I'll, I'll slow down because I just want, I want clarity, okay? I want to make sure I'm communicating this clearly, okay? Paul, verse 1, goes to the upper regions and comes to Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey, found some disciples. Then he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we haven't even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. Well, into what baptism were you baptized? Into John's. He says, John's baptism was baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in him who was coming after him, that is Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and Paul laid his hands upon them, and the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking with tongues. Again, they're declaring the mighty deeds of God and prophesying the same thing, okay? So it's a declarative work of the Holy Spirit. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Go to your right. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Again, this is declarative power, declarative power of the Spirit of God. And it's extraordinary. 
It's a declarative power that's extraordinary. Okay? That's the first one. In Acts chapter 2, uh, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians, my brain is not connecting. 1 Corinthians. Now, the Corinthian church, remember this, Paul spends like a year and a half in Corinth, and he leaves, and then they just start going different directions. They didn't like, they really weren't impressed with Paul. Later on, they're like, oh, he's weak, he doesn't look good, he's he kind of like, he doesn't, you know, he's strong in his letters, but when he comes in person, he's just like this little guy, you know? So they were impressed with him. They were impressed with, hey, you know, we like the strong, you know, they were, you know, you know they're into that, you know, they're, that was their whole mindset. They were, you know, so Paul comes and he says, when I came to you, First uh, Corinthians 2, 1, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come with superiority of word or wi- of wisdom. Like, that's what they normally would have, they would, they would have tried to talk philosophy and elevate our minds. You know, he says, I didn't come with that angle to try to impress you philosophically, right? I could have, but he says, I didn't do that. You know? I did not come with superiority of word or of wisdom. By the way, Paul could have, because if you read Romans, you realize this man knows how to make, hold an argument throughout, you know, he know he's, a, he's a thinker. But he doesn't come with that. He doesn't depend on that. He doesn't say, I'm going to rely on my argumentation to win these people. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. This is a man who's seen Jesus. A man who went to rabbi school. He went to, he was a pharisaical school. This man knew the law. This knew Jesus. This man, I mean, he wrote half the New Testament. He doesn't come depending on that. He says, my word and my preaching were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but in what? Demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith would not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. He goes, I came depending on the Lord to work, and he showed up. I didn't depend on my argumentation or my strength or my, you know, he probably could have had three PhDs, who knows, you know. I, that wasn't my, I'm not leaning on that. It's the it's the Spirit of God and the power of God. When I declare to you the gospel, basically. And that's what he even sells the Thessalonians. Uh, our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power in the Holy Spirit, full conviction. So first you have the, this declarative, extraordinary power of the Holy Spirit. That's primarily the book of Acts, okay? That's the first category, right? Declarative, extraordinary power. So far so good? All right. You then have another kind of power, a demonstrative power. A demonstrative power. And the demonstrative power, this is the regular working of the Holy Spirit in the Christian. Not the extraordinary necessary, but the regular working. This is the indirect, regular work of the Holy Spirit within a believer. This is where we get about being filled with the Spirit. In fact, well, let me just go to, go to Ephesians 5. I'll point something out. Ephesians 5. Okay. This is another work of the Spirit. First, it's a declarative, powerful work of the Spirit. Secondly, it's a demonstrative power of the Spirit. And in Ephesians 5, verse 18, he says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks for the name of the, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ 
to God our Father, being subject to one another in the fear of, in the fear of Christ. Now, here's what's interesting. If you go to back to, if you hold your place there and go back to Acts two, okay, go back to Acts two. And you see in verse 4, it says that they were filled with the Spirit. You see that? Okay. The feeling of the Spirit in Acts 2 is different than the feeling of the Spirit in Ephesians 5. Why? Because in Acts chapter 2, it's Jesus pouring out His Spirit on His believers to empower them. Okay? It's Jesus doing that. In Acts, or in Ephesians 5, it's you. Listen, go back to Ephesians 5. He says, be filled. The word there is a passive command. Allow yourself to be spirit, filled with the Spirit. In other words, Acts chapter 2, you can't control. That's Jesus doing that when he decides. If he decides to pour out his Spirit on somebody, that's, that's the decision of Jesus. But Ephesians 5 is you yielding to the will of God, yielding to the Spirit of God. Does that make sense? So you have here, you have this being filled where he says... Be filled, allow yourself to be filled with the Spirit. And here's the result, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and everything else, right? This is more of a sanctification kind of work of the Spirit of God, where where you say, yes, Lord. That's why, in fact, go back to uh, Ephesians 4, verse 30. Go back to Ephesians 4, verse 30. Say, I can't control the Holy Spirit. Well, okay, then tell me about this verse here. Um, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Well, context. Verse, 30, verse 29. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for building up what is needed, so it will give grace to those who hear. Hey, watch what you say. And how could you grieve the Holy Spirit by not watching what you say? Right? And don't grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed. And then he continues, let all bitterness and anger and wrath and shouting and slander be put away from you. Instead, be kind. You have the power to grieve the Holy Spirit or not. Why? By how you speak to one another and how you treat one another. Make sense? So now back in Ephesians 5, you have this demonstrative power where, this, where the Spirit of God is coming through and you're yielding to Him and you are speaking forth psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody and everything else. You are giving thanks. There's... It, as you yield to the Spirit of God, it affects how you speak to one another. It affects relationships. That's why the rest of Ephesians 5 into 6 is all about relationships. Husbands and wives, slaves, and or, okay, employers, employees, let's say. It starts with being filled. It flows through. If you're being filled, it will affect how you treat one another. Amen? Now, this work of the Holy Spirit is regular. It's indirect. Just as powerful. But now we're beginning to demonstrate the nature of God in a sense. Like, go to Galatians. Go to Galatians. Same idea. To your left, the book to your left is Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5. Verse 16, walk by the Spirit, you won't carry out the desire of the flesh. But I'm going to skip down to um, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Okay? This is the regular work 
of demonstrating, I call it demonstrative, right? I call the first one declarative, the second is you're demonstrating the work of the Spirit of God. You're actually demonstrating the character of God. As you love one another, that's demonstrating the character of God. As you're patient with one another, you're demonstrating the, the, patient, the, the, the character of God. Make sense? This is a gradual process, right? This isn't an instant declarative process thing. It's, an in, it's a sanctification. This is me yielding to the Spirit of God. This is me being immersed in the Scriptures, being immersed in prayer. This is me depending on and saying, and when I say, I'd, let's say I offended my wife, and I hurt her feelings, and I walk away because I think I won the argument, you know, and I, I just hypothetical, because we never argue, but we, you know, yeah. Yeah, we have a discussion. But this is me driving away, and I'm so mad because I'm right and she's wrong, and how could she not see my way? And then the Holy Spirit says, begin, he begins to work on me, and work humility, and work, and I say, I'm so, I'm, you know, you're right, I'm sorry, or me to... You know, um, you know, and then allow him to work in that that area of my heart of sin, so that my relationship with her is restored and maybe improved. Because maybe next time he gives me the, he gives me the grace to to not be defensive or not be so whatever you know unkind, but to be more loving. And he does that. He's like, maybe in the past I would have reacted one way, but now. I find that there's love in my heart that he's done something. Okay. The declarative work of the Holy Spirit for extraordinary stuff is good and needed. But the demonstrative work of the Holy Spirit is just as necessary because if I declare God's good news and be witnesses for him out there on the streets, they come home and don't demonstrate the grace of God and the character of God in my home, I've got, I've got some, I got a problem here, don't I? Both are necessary. The goal of the Christian life is to display the character of God. That's the fruit of the Spirit. The, fruit, the, the Spirit produces that fruit within us as we yield to Him and say, yes, Lord, or as we depend on Him. He empowers us to love people and to, to love God and to follow Him and to love others as He loved them. And He empowers us for that, and that's a work of the Holy Spirit. So we're talking about being empowered for ministry in life. I need the second as much as I need the first. I need both, okay? It's like, Lord, I need you, right? Now, Real quick, when am I empowered by the Spirit of God in this demonstrative category? When am I empowered? First of all, I'm empowered to be His witness, yes, but I'm also empowered to to know Him more intimately. He says, the Spirit of God is poured out whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit of God does something with my heart where there's, there's this longing to know God on a more intimate level, to know Him more. My prayer is like, Lord, help me to know you more and demonstrate you, but help me to know even, you even more, right? That's, that's the desire, you know? I can't be exhaustive on this next, uh, the second card because I'm running out of time, but um, maybe someday we'll have... My hope, I'll be, just pause right here. First of all, praying for a location for, our, for ourselves. We're, our church is growing, praying for our own place, 
pray for that. Maybe someday I'll have like a Wednesday night Bible study. I can go deep, deep stuff, you know, like go some, go yeah. get some, okay, because most of the time I can't finish my message because I have so much to share. So maybe God will open that up, but in his, in his way, in his grace. But part of the demonstrative, un, unpause, okay, not pause button, right, unpause. Part of the, that demonstrative work of the Holy Spirit is not just yielding for his fruit, but also, um, n- you know, n- sin doesn't have the same effect it has on me. Temptation isn't, is uh, there's a power to overcome temptation. There's a there's a, there's a, there's an empowerment to 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 um, to um, to not have the flesh rule over me as it once did, right? And the flesh is basically another word for saying my selfish desires. <laughs> you know, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Paul says in Galatians, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. That's the point, right? In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up, gave himself up for me. And he says in Romans 8, If you are living according to flesh, you must die. But if, if by the Spirit you are putting the death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Okay, So let's... I'll stop with that that point right there. Third point. So first we have declarative, extraordinary, demonstrative, ordinary, right? Fruits of the Spirit. And then there's a directive. This is the third category, directive work of the Spirit, directive power. Um, and that's, uh, that's where the Lord, where he leads, uh, where he, uh, he guides us. Um, and this can be either extraordinary or ordinary. It could be, it could be supernaturally led by the Spirit of God, or just being internally led by the Spirit of God, as you read in His Word. For example, sometimes the Lord will lead you by His Spirit in a very profound way, uh, like in Acts chapter eight. Go to Acts chapter eight. Acts 8. Here's an example of, I think kind of both maybe, Acts 8.26. This is extraordinary leading, and the, 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 being directed by the Holy Spirit. This is a category, directed power, directed, being directed by the Holy Spirit. First of all, you have an angel coming to Philip and say, hey, go to the road, uh, Acts 8.26. Angel of the Lord comes to Philip and says, rise up and go to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. What kind of, is that ordinary, extraordinary work of God. Extra, I mean, angels don't appear to me every day. I mean, <laughs> if they appear to you, let's talk, you know? He's directing him in an extraordinary way, giving him direction. Some, I've, I know guys, I, have, I know uh, one gentleman, he's a pastor, and he had a Damascus Road experience. He was, I think it was in his late, he was in late 40s, early 50s, didn't know the Lord, and God, as he's driving, um, this is back in Louisiana, as he's driving, the Lord like, appears to him or something. He pulls off the road, and he has this amazing salvation experience where, he, where the Lord appears to him, or his angel, whatever, and he calls him to, to go to seminary and become a preacher and a pastor. He's that, that's what he's doing today. Actually, he died. He was doing that for, until the day he died. That, was an extra, that doesn't happen every day. But the Lord directed him in that way. And sometimes God has done that with us. He's given us... Something not ordinary, it's, you know, that kind of thing. 
Later on, verse 29, look at verse 29. The Spirit said to Peter, uh, Philip, go over there and join his chariot. Now, I don't know if the Spirit is speaking within because he indwells Philip or if it's outside. I'm going to say it's probably within. Ananias is directed by Jesus to go to share the gospel with Paul, who just recently met Jesus. An angel of God extraordinarily meets, tells Cornelius, hey, send for, to Joppa for Peter, Right? Peter gets a vision, extraordinary direction by God to go and share the gospel to Corinthians' house. Um, and several examples, but the point of this point is this is sometimes it is extraordinary, but sometimes the leading of the Spirit of God is regular. You don't realize it's happening until you realize it's <laughs> and see the effects of it. You don't have to hear voices to be to hear from God. Sometimes you just He's giving you thoughts without real, you realizing those thoughts are from him. Or he's, you know what I'm saying? I'm not talking about something weird. I'm talking just, God's not into weirdness, okay? <laughs> I mean, that's why Paul says, uh, well, Paul even talks, uh, uh, Acts 13, go to Acts 13. Here's another example of be directed by the Spirit of God. Acts 13 Verse 2, and while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I've called them. That's, now did it have an extra word? It probably had, but they got the message. They're being directed by God. Let me just give you a clue. Don't chase after extraordinary experiences. Become so immersed, as, as Brother Nick was sharing, so immersed. We were talking about this yesterday, you know. Um, how do you hear the voice of God? You're so immersed in the Scripture, so immersed in prayer, you understand the language of God, so to speak. You know, you pick it up. I, if I turn on the Spanish t- television station right now, I might be able to pick up a word or two or three. Now, slow down. Because I can't, my ear's not been trained to... Da, 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 you know, that to me, that sounds like that. Pedro, sorry, that's... <laughs> That's what it sounds like to me, because I, don't, I haven't been immersed in it. I haven't picked up the language. To, but if I'm immersed in the Word of God, and I know the character of God, you hear voice, the voice of God displays His character. So you want to know the voice of God? Understand His character. And a lot of times, you know, so there are times when you know, the directed power of the Holy Spirit does an extraordinary work, and sometimes it's ordinary. But the point is, is... If I could focus on this and not chase after the extra, I want to focus on the regular work, the regular voice of God through the scripture and through prayer, I might be more in tune to pick up on the extraordinary. But if I'm chasing extraordinary stuff all the time, I'm not, and I miss this, I'm, it's going to be like somebody speaking Spanish to me and I, do, I can pick up a few words. Or maybe Korean or something, you know. I don't know any words of Korean. Now, how do we, how do we, how are we directed by the Spirit of God? I'm going to finish with this, okay? This is my last, uh, my last uh, section here. So far, we had what? De- declarative word of God, a power of God, right? De- demonstrative, right? And then directive, where the God, where God de- leads you and directs you. And many times, He's leading you and directing you without you realizing you're being led. 
I've had three times in my life where I know it's, it was an external leading of God, where I felt as if an angel of God was like pushing me you know, <laughs> to sit down right here and listen. You know, three times in my life, only three, I'm 50, <clears throat> I'm 35 years old. <laughs> three times in my life where I've had, and I didn't see an angel, but it was as if an angel was behind me, kind of like doing this thing, you know, and, and just I, I can't, things I can't explain, okay? Three times. So it's not ordinary. And I didn't seek for it. My, 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 my wife, Brother Nick, guess what? Do you know how I met my wife? No, not, no our first date was basketball. Um, I, had, I had just started going to church again. I gave my life back to the Lord. That's a whole other story. And... I wasn't planning on meeting her. I mean, there's cute girls in the group, of course, but I wasn't there. I was there to see God. You know, it was kind of like that was new. And she was uh, she was talking. To, was I talking to the to? Um, am I embarrassing you? I was. I was talking with somebody, and she came up, and that was that. Was that? It was just. It was like. But the church I met her at, she was going to be going to a different church. She was going to two churches, and this, this other church where we met was the last Sunday or last whatever, one of the last weeks she was going to go on. And so I, I happened to catch her just before she left. It was, just, it was not chance, but it was God leading me without me being realized I'm going to meet my wife, who I've been married for 25 years. Praise God, you know. She's... God's used her to make me a better man. Um, I, I didn't try to control that. That was the Lord doing that. I had no power over that. You know? But being directed by God, of course, is being relying on the Spirit of God, being aware of your weaknesses, being aware of, of your need for Him, and being open for Him to lead you. And you can tell you're being directed by God because God gets the glory and He does His work. And you say, I can't explain it, but this is how God's leading. So my prayer for us as a church and for each one of us individually is that we would be empowered by God, whether it's extraordinary to declare His word, or whether it's demonstrating His, his character through the fruits of the Spirit, and, or whether it's being directed by Him in supernatural ways or normal ways, that we're, we're always being led by the Spirit of God. That's my prayer, is that we as a church will be led by God's Spirit. I think He's doing that. I praise God for that. And He gets the glory. All right? This isn't a five-year plan for how to do a church. This is God doing, Jesus, I'll be my, ch- I'll be my church. <laughs> I got the plans right up here, Jesus says. I know what I'm doing. Just follow me. And if I tell you to go left, go left. If I tell you to go right, go right. Beyond that, don't worry about it. You know. If I went up to the cockpit of the airplane, I wouldn't understand how to fly the thing or the flight plan and all that. Let God fly it. Let God direct you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the fact that you've given us your Holy Spirit to do a tremendous ministry in our lives, and we just covered just a few, Lord. But Lord, we seek 
both individually as as children of God and as a church corporately, Lord, to be empowered by you, that you would pour out your spirit upon us to be bold in declaring, being a witness for Christ wherever we go, whether it's our Jerusalem within our maybe our own family or or Samaria or the neighbors down the street, Lord, wherever it's at, Lord, that you would empower us to be witnesses. And that secondly, Lord, you would work within us the fruit of the Spirit, that our lives, our, the character of our lives would demonstrate your character to the world around us. And they would say, there's something different about you. And that that would give you glory, Lord. And that thirdly, Lord, you would direct us by your Holy Spirit's power, whether ordinary or extraordinary. Either way, Lord, let it be that we are dependent on you and that you would uh, grow grow us, Lord, and lead us, Lord. We ask that you would lead us as far as a, a permanent home or a more permanent home for us, Lord, that you would um, lead us in that. And Father, I just want, just want to thank you, Lord. And if there's, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, Lord, I do pray that the Holy Spirit would be working on that person or those people or maybe watching online to direct them and lead them to Christ, to find salvation and eternal life. I give you praise, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't we stand up? Good to see everyone. Praise God. Praise God. We will not mention the game that's on later on today. Out of mourning for my bills that aren't in it, but it's okay. We love the Lord because Jesus is victorious. Amen. Amen. We know who wins. It's Christ. Moses tells Aaron, bless my people. Place God's name on them with these words. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. It's my prayer for you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Hang out if you want. Fellowship. Chairs. You can put the chairs away, or but don't run away. Help out, but then still fellowship, you know? <laughs>